1: The bowl games have been very good. Give me more of them, and very excited for the slate we have today. Good morning. It is Friday, December thirty-first, New Year's Eve, the last day of Czech's calendar, twenty twenty-one. Oh, yeah, we almost uh, can you? I, I can't believe it. Anyway, a lot of great college football today. The slate is set. The playoff semifinals happen in just a few hours. We've got Josh Pate of Late Kick fame. Twenty four seven sports. The one of a kind. Josh Pate uh, joins us in a few minutes from Fort Lauderdale, the CBS Interactive Studios. He's he's been down there in South Florida all week covering the Orange Bowl, which will happen about thirty minutes south of the, the studio. Josh just recorded in on Friday night in Miami Gardens, Michigan and Georgia. We're really talking Georgia. Josh is is from the state, knows the Bulldogs very well, and has some interesting things to say. And namely, that the the fans and followers of the Georgia Bulldogs are not shying away from the fact that tonight is a legacy game for kirby smart and we'll get to that in just a second the slate though four games quiet morning unless you're our producer lance glenn as number 17 wake forest takes on five and seven rutgers in the tax slayer gator bowl at 11 o'clock on espn we'll watch that washington state and central michigan play at noon in the sun bowl that's on cbs I recommend watching that uh, another one of those games that was thrown together kind of at the last minute and then of course the playoffs and semifinals Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, college football playoff semifinal, number four Cincinnati versus number one Alabama, 330 on ESPN. Uh, once again, we're going Cincinnati plus 13 and a half there, Bama to win. And then at night, the best game of the day for my money, number three Georgia versus number two Michigan. We're gonna talk to Josh about it. He's gonna offer his pick, but as, as I told you all yesterday, I'm going I'm going Michigan plus seven and a half for sure, and I sprinkled a little bit of the money line on him, and I've got the Wolverines knocking off Georgia because I, I, I just still have questions about what Georgia looks like in a big game with Stetson Bennett quarterback. And you know what? Let's let's just bring in Josh now because he can get into that with, with us. Josh Pate joins us right now live from Miami. Josh, first of all, congrats uh, for finding a way to get to sunny South Florida twice in, in two weeks. Uh, but my first question for you, man, and I don't want you to have to feel like you need to go all talking head on me. But when you talk to Georgia fans down there and check out the team and all that stuff, do you feel any certain amount of extra pressure on the Bulldogs heading into Friday night's game?
0: Yeah, I actually think there's more pressure on Georgia than any team in the playoff right now. But I have felt that, Trey, since November. You know, we did a segment actually on late cake, probably mid-November. And it was at the time where Georgia had been number one for a couple of months, and they were favored to win the national title, favored to win the SEC. And at the time, you know, Alabama had faltered a couple of times. And it just, it felt like there was this, false reservoir of nothingness that had built up because you don't get points or a trophy for being number one for X consecutive weeks. And you don't get trophies for being on awards watch list. And it just felt like there was so much that it built up that really wasn't worth anything. And I simply went on the show one night and said, I don't think people are fully appreciating how radically the tone could shift over the span of four quarters in Atlanta if they get upset, if Alabama beats them. Well, here's what happened. Alabama upset them and they did it pretty emphatically as it turns out by the same score they uh, had against them last year. Well, that precipitated a very radical shift in the tone in and around the Georgia program. And so now here's the catch 22. Like here's the weird place. Let me close the door so uh, no one else hears me here. Here's the weird place we are. If you're Georgia, Georgia probably stands to gain almost nothing out of winning this game. But they stand to lose everything if they drop it. And what I mean is, if they win it, yeah, it's celebration. I'm not going to downplay it. But all that really you've done is you've gotten yourself back on the track that everyone thinks you were supposed to be on anyway. And then it's probably Alabama again. We'll see. But you still have a tall task ahead of you in Steve Wolfong's backyard, Indianapolis, in nine days. However... If they lose, and that's a big if because they're a seven and a half point favorite. But if they lose, Trey, all of a sudden, it's like the Ron Swanson gift. It's like, what just happened? And you're looking at that 2017 team and you're realizing, wait, that team in 2017 accomplished more than this one did because that team won the SEC and they won a playoff game. And you're telling me that the greatest team we thought Kirby had had in a down year in the sport where it looked like everything was wide open and we were favored to win a title. You're telling me we're just going to walk away empty handed? We don't have a conference title. We don't have a playoff win. What do we really have? Uh, It would be crippling. Psychologically, it would be crippling. And the folks I know around Georgia are not really running from that. I'm not saying it's their focus. But if I were to tell them that over dinner, they would not disagree. They just say, "Yeah, I mean, that's that's the high stakes that you live with at this
1: level." There's a lot to unpack there. That's um, that's really good stuff, Josh. You make a great point. Like, if they beat Michigan, we're just going to be having this conversation again in eight days. Um, you know what, what's on the line for Kirby Legacy, all that stuff. I think a lot of it comes down to. And I, I, you might push back here, and that's fine. Um, the the quarterback situation. I think JT Daniels having COVID and missing time may, might change that calculus. There, do you expect to see him at all on Friday night?
0: No, not if JT or not if Stetson Bennett is upright. I don't really think that. I, I look. I don't. You think, think it's that, that big of a deal? Staff. Like,
1: do you, do you think but it's no? That big I of a deal? don't.
0: No, I don't. I, I really don't at all. I I understand why it's being made a big deal, but I got so many things. I got so many roads that I could go down on this. The first is if you follow the sport and like you listen to coaches, there is a coded language they speak in. And when a coach and his coordinators for that matter, continually tell you we're playing the guy that gives us the best chance to win. What that is code for is there are things we know about our quarterback situation that you don't know. Now, if that opened up practice, maybe you would know. But that being independent, you don't know what we know. And also, we are seeing in practice both of these guys. And we are consciously telling you and making the decision uh, QB1's QB1 for a reason. And then this week, it was reiterated by Kirby Smart. There have been a lot of rumors uh, and speculation about. You know what could have happened behind the scenes. And it's almost like people are rejecting the simple notion that maybe Stetson Bennett is just outplaying JT Daniels in practice. I said earlier this week, if I did nothing more than I switched those two's high school rankings, I think 80% of the noise would quiet down. Because you know as well as I do, really what people can't shake from their mind is the amount of stars that was next to JT Daniels' name and the lack of them that were next to Stetson Bennett's name. And they just can't square in their mind that, that One guy with more stars probably hasn't fulfilled on the potential that we think he had. I think that's where people are. But look, here's what I keep going back to. Like this to me is the key to this entire game. 30 for 109. That is the rushing statistic in total for Georgia against Alabama. I don't know what planet people are living on where they thought 30 for 109, that's 3.6 yards per carry, was going to be good enough for Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels. I don't think either one of them stands much of a chance against Alabama. And for that matter, I don't think it gives them a great shot to beat Michigan if they can't do better than that. It's a complimentary team. Like There is no superstar quarterback on this team. You talk all year, rightfully so, about this team having this transcendently great defense. Well, that means you shouldn't have to score, what, 42 in Atlanta to win a game. You shouldn't. But what happened is Alabama got the ball way too often because you were in third and five-plus way too often with a quarterback that is not Bryce Young. He is not going to chop you up and dissect you even if he doesn't have a running game. You've got to play a more complementary style. And for Georgia if you don't run the football at a very high level, everything else about that team has been thrown out of whack at that point.
1: The thing I would say about JT Daniels and and Bennett is when it comes to Kirby Smart, who's one of the best coaches in football, obviously, maybe behind Nick Saban as far as roster building goes, at least the, the benefit of the doubt with the quarterback thing. And I know it's boring to talk about Justin Fields for Jake from I'm like, I'll just throw that out there. And I'm also like, I'm looking at JT Daniels. I'm looking at Stetson Bennett. And in JT Daniels, I see a guy who could at least maybe help me win a shootout. And the numbers, you know, is Stetson Bennett bad in big games? I don't know. You know, he put up a lot of yards against Bama a few weeks ago, but wasn't as, as efficient as he has been. So so that, that's my thing, and, and that's your thing. And, and and you're probably right. Like we probably don't see JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett and probably gets his confidence back. Um, On Friday night, do you think we have given the Georgia defense a pass for what happened in Atlanta? And do you expect them to bounce back uh, as far as the uh, elite historical standards they hold themselves to?
0: I don't really think we've given them a pass. I I don't think I personally have given them a pass. I mean, I think what got exposed... That you already, to an extent, would know if you had watched Georgia all year, even though maybe the human nature was to ignore it because of the statistics. But I think what we got validated, at least in Atlanta, is they have to pressure with scheme. They don't have... Will Anderson's all over the field. They don't have Dallas Turners. They had Adam Anderson. He did not play in the SEC championship game. So they did not have that guy or guys they could turn loose. They got a scheme pressure. A lot of times that means bringing linebackers. The problem with that, obviously, is when you don't get home, you've got really weird looking things like Jamison Williams running free across the middle of the field and taking it to the house. And that's what happened a few times. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, busted coverage, busted coverage. Well, what's happening is you've got a racehorse at receiver that you're asking fairly green defensive backs to cover for four or five seconds. And that's not happening for anybody, much less Georgia or including Georgia, I guess. I don't think anyone's given them a pass where I think it gets really juicy on Friday night is the general talk, at least as far as I can tell, about Michigan is, okay, McNamara is not Bryce Young. So therefore, Michigan's going to have to run it to win. They can't throw the ball to win. Um, I understand why people are saying that. But let me just toss you a little alternate scenario here. Trey, do you remember which team's offensive line won the Joe Amore Award for best offensive line in the country? Michigan. Okay, Michigan did. Not Alabama. Michigan did. So Alabama withstood that Georgia pass rush fairly effectively. I'm just curious. Matchup, mm. matchup, matchup. I'm just very mm. curious. If we're sitting there late first quarter, early second quarter, and Georgia's not getting home again, and all of a sudden, instead of Cade McNamara having to make quick three-step drop, get the ball out really fast, if he's instead able to take his time back there and he's not under duress, Cade McNamara, I know people may not believe it, is good enough to throw the ball against Georgia because this is not a secondary full of all Americans. What they are is complementary. There's that word again. They are very complementary. And they are very sound and they are playing at a high level. But when I look at that Joe Moore award-winning, I keep saying Jo-a, Joe, Joe, a award-winning <laughs> offensive line, that is another key to me. Like I, I think there is a, I think there's this weird scenario out there where Michigan, if they beat Georgia, they do it, throwing the ball a lot more than anyone expects them to
1: talk about the matchups it would, and recruiting rankings. It would be a nice game for Nolan Smith to have the, uh, the, the game pass rushing befitting of a former number one overall prospect. I'll get you out of here. I know you got to... We're recording this Thursday afternoon. You got late kicks soon. I'm not going to ask you for a pick. I know you get you know get a little skittish when we ask you for picks. Give me something across the entire landscape, though. It could be the other... It could be the Cotton Bowl. It could be the Michigan side. Give me give me something bold that you're going to be talking about the next time you, you go on late kick.
0: Well... So I picked. It's okay. I can talk about it now. Okay, Look, I get okay. skittish. I get skittish when you guys ask like five weeks ahead of time. I'm well, not five ready to minutes commit
1: after the ma- five minutes after the matchups are set.
0: Yes, I don't. I have commitment issues. I'm not ready to commit that early. So I took Georgia to win, Michigan to cover. So I just think a one possession game either way. So let's just say for a second. Michigan covers and wins. And I think there are several routes where that happens. I don't think you could spend enough pages or write enough words on what just happened with Jim Harbaugh. And that's before a national title game. This time last year, I mean, you know, you saw how much traffic we were turning just talking about whether he was going to be the coach at Michigan. And if he was the coach, certainly he's not going to be able to stick around under these current contractual figures that we had him making, he had to restructure his contract. So that happened. And then he didn't really change a whole lot. He goes out and gets McDonald. That's a huge pickup at defensive coordinator. But philosophically, he didn't flip some switch and redefine Michigan. And if he ends up taking this team through the Big Ten and now a playoff semifinal and taking them to a national championship game, I mean, I'm looking at him and you've got to imagine this the ego stroke and and the arrogance that any one of us would have if we got our backs pushed to, into a wall and we came out and said, I ain't changing a thing. And then you win that way, that's wild. Like that's crazy. I can't, I don't know what he would sound like. I know that if he doesn't take a little bit of a victory lap, he
1: is a bigger man than I. I think he will. Josh Pay, good stuff. Thanks, man. Great to have Josh on. Follow him on Twitter at Josh. We don't want to bother him too much but about having him on. He's a very busy guy, usually doing a Zoom with McConaughey or Nick Saban or someone like that, but when he's on, he's always great and always delivers and is very generous with, with his time when we do ask. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great day watching college football, and then a great weekend, of course, is New Year's Day. We'll bring uh, the remaining New Year's Six Bowl games. Thank you to everybody for listening to the College Football Daily this year. It's a great year for us. Great year over 24 seven sports as well we had a lot of fun doing it and we'll be back on monday first episode of 2022 recapping what you're about to watch this weekend enjoy